0: Yep. Ocho EDAs.
1: Right on. Welcome to Circuitous Conversations with Bill and Dan, episode 880 eight for Sunday, April 8th,
0: 2012. I am Bill Wadman. I am Dan Gottesman. And it is Easter. Happy Easter. You don't believe in Easter. I don't believe in anything. Yeah. Me
1: either. But you know what has been nice? Like, uh, turning holidays into, you know, a day with some friends or, you know what I mean? With another couple or whatever, like making it not about family or choosing your family, I guess. That's interesting. (laughs) Okay. Uh, it's a little bit different. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, so it's Easter, uh, dinners are over and, uh, we're going to do a little recording. Hey, uh, You know, I took out my new Mark III the other day to a concert. Oh, yeah? What concert? Have you done a lot... uh, Just uh, some friends of mine were playing at this club, uh, doing a singer-songwriter kind of thing, which they, you know, each got up there for 20 minutes, half hour.
0: What's the name of the club? Uh, Freddy's? Oh, sure. I've heard of Freddy's. Down here on Fifth Avenue? In fact, coincidentally, I will be playing at Freddy's later this month. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh... And a nice little back room. It was cute. I've never been there yet. I haven't been there, but I will it's, be. It's I will small, be
1: there. but it's, you know, it's fine. Cool. Uh, but they were just getting up with acoustic guitars and doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I don't normally take pictures at shows like that just because most of the time, unless you're moving around a lot or there's room to move around. Yeah. If you're sitting in one place or standing in one place, you're just getting the same picture over and over again.
0: Yep. Not to mention you know? that there's usually little to no light.
1: Little to no light. Right. Yeah. I mean, like literally little to no light. Yeah. Um, it's deceptively little light when you... Like when you normally go see a show or whatever it is, you think, oh, look, it's fine. You take a picture, mm-hmm. and then you actually pull a camera up, and you're at one fiftieth of a second <laughs> right. at ISO 3200 or you know right. 6400. If, if you're lucky. Yeah. So uh, it was interesting. So I had my 100-millimeter uh, macro lens, which I bought recently.
0: Right. The because main, that's the longest little one, right. prime I have. Right. Uh,
1: no, it's autofocus. It's just sort of like the slow, old you know, Still non two eight? USM, uh, two eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's, you know, it's fine. It, you know, the motor is yeah. when it wee focuses. Wee yeah. Wee yeah. Wee but you know, whatever. I don't shoot macro enough to spend a thousand dollars on a lens. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's my longest sort of prime. So I figured it would be a good choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to go any more open than 2.8 if I'm trying to get anything in focus, you know? Sure. So, I brought this uh, camera, and I, I was shooting with it, and uh, the other problem you have is the fact that these lights are usually, like, really red.
0: Yeah, or yellow. Very, or yellow. Very saturated.
1: Or blue. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Where,
1: where you can't even correct it with white balance, really.
0: Nope. That's why people tend to do those things in black and white. That's a very common.
1: Technique. Which is exactly what I did, was going to black and white, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and shot at 6,400, and uh-huh. I'll tell you, 6,400 on the new camera? Looks pretty good. Completely usable. Totally. Uh, which again, it goes back on my little tirade about the fact that none of these cameras are stopping anybody from doing anything.
0: It's true, man. <laughs> like there's no the
1: limitations on any of this stuff. No. this morning, uh, the guy who works at the cafe downstairs, uh, makes really nice art. Like, uh, he makes uh, these sort of 3d kind of sculpture things out of paper mm-hmm. and he had them up on the walls and we kind of liked one of them and we asked him how much, whatever it is. And he said, well, you know, I'll, I trade with other artists. Oh, no, that's cool. So he gave us this thing and I brought him a nice, I made a 13 by 19 print of one of my pictures this morning to bring down to him to trade. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of like, wow, this is amazing that I can sit here, click a few buttons and for six or $700 or whatever the printer costs, mm-hmm. have this thing comes out, come out that is like as good as any print you could have made in history. You know what I mean? <laughs> like sure. quality wise. Sure. Just at my house on demand. It's you It's know? kind of cool. It's like printing money. It is really kind of amazing. Anyway, just to put that out there. Anyway, have you done a lot of concert
0: shooting? You do a lot of this stuff? I have, actually. Uh, I really don't like to do it so much these days, but I actually, I think I even wrote a, a blog post about it. I should go dig up dig up that thing. Yeah, put uh, it in I, the show notes. Yeah, I'll see if I can find it. Um, I have a whole little technique that I use. Uh, to deal with the the lighting issue um, what 's your technique what 's your technique i 'll tell it to you right now. <laughs> um, my technique is to use my own lights is to is, is to essentially approach um, a stage uh, situation I actually kind of the idea came to me um, when I was thinking about the way sound reinforcement works. Um, and you and I know what those words mean when put together sound reinforcement, but most people probably don't. So I'll, I'll take a second to explain. Um, traditionally sound reinforcement is the term used by, uh, to describe the technique used by sound folks, sound engineers, sound men, or what sound people, um, to essentially help, um, a, a performance, uh, be heard in a, you know, larger area. So like, for example, let's say you're, you're in a, uh, on a stage or in a church or in a school or an auditorium or whatever. And obviously if somebody is standing in the middle of, uh, of the stage and starts talking or singing or performing or whatever, uh, you can hear them if you're standing at the edge of the stage or in the front row or, or, or two, but you know, as you move further away, uh, you're not going to be able to hear them as loudly or as clearly and and once that room is full of people it gets even uh even more difficult to to hear them so you need to essentially reinforce the sound that they're making uh traditionally with a microphone and an amplifier and a speaker you know to to kind of to make it louder yep. um, and there's different obviously there's really tr- just tons of different ways of of approaching it um, the using the um on one end of the extreme uh, is sort of like the stadium approach, right? So when you go to see Guns N' Roses or Van Halen or your favorite large, you know, tier, top tier, uh, you know, act at a large venue, like a, like a stadium where there's, you know, thousands of people there, the reality is you're not hearing a single thing, like from wherever you're sitting, even if you're in the front row. The sounds that you're hearing are not actually coming from the stage. You are not hearing the, the sound coming out of the performer's mouth or the, or the, 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 the sound that the, that the drums and cymbals are making. What you are hearing are the reproductions of those sounds by microphones. All of that stuff is either microphone miked or, or, you know, it's direct and and it's being pumped into a PA, you know, a mixer and then a PA. And then it's coming out of this giant, huge, terrific sounding system. And when
1: people do that, right, it is unreal. It's
0: fantastic. It's a really terrific experience and, and it works out great. Uh, And it also gives the, you know, the artists and the tech, you know, the tech people, some really great options for, uh, you know doing some neat tricks to make the, you know, to make the sound that much better and to make the performance that much better. Uh, and then on the complete flip opposite side of that spectrum, um, I guess would be, uh, theater like theatrical Broadway style, um, like traditional, um, acoustic theater where you're, where you're in, uh, a nice, you know, I don't think Broadway theaters hold more than, I don't know, how many? like a thousand people at the most they're not that yeah, big they're usually. not that big um, and the reality is when you're sitting in uh, in a theater watching a, a play or a musical, you actually can kind of hear the person coming off the stage yep sometimes you can uh because uh, first of all, these people are trained to, to to perform like that, but second of all, the sound reinforcement um technique that 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 genre calls for is to make it all sound like it's coming off the stage yep. naturally.
1: Actually, actual
0: true reinforcement as opposed to
1: swap, you know, uh, replacement, uh, right. replacement. Yeah. Exactly.
0: So so those are the two extremes. Um, and, and those sorts of concepts really are, are perfectly analogous in photography. Um, you know, we, we've seen situations where you're uh, photographing something and it can be the sunniest day of the year and you're outside, but you put up uh, scrims and shades and diffusion and reflectors yep. and lights and everything. And next thing you know, you've essentially built <laughs> this little this little enclosed tent-controlled area where you're, you know the, the actual available light has nothing to do with the shot that you're getting. Right. You know? um, and then on the on the complete flip side of that, there are situations where all your carrying around as a reflector or a diffuser and all you're doing is just putting a little bit of this here and a little bit of this there and to the eye it looks like oh wow was that really taken with available You know, was that actually how it looked um you know so those are those are the two extremes there so that all said and explained i i sort of figured out a little way uh to sort of i i I like the way i I personally like trying to make uh, a live performance shot look like like it really does you know obviously if you if you take um Take your camera and you stick a flash on it. Um, even if you you put a gel or or whatever, uh, because of the 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 angle that you're shooting at, because of the 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 flash is directly on the camera axis, and you fire a picture. He'll get a, a, a fine looking exposure i mean it'll be well lit and it'll probably be nice and sharp, but but it won't look that great you know it won't be that right. great of a picture because because the light doesn't look right you know the the, the rest of the light in that room the rest of the, the the stage is being lit way way, way from above with colored lights so your you know your light doesn't doesn't match you know it doesn't right. look good so what I' have done in the past when people have asked me to to photograph them performing is I essentially mimic that exact style. So I will bring either a light stand or two or more commonly a couple of super clamps and I will, you know, ahead of time before the performance, uh, ideally anyway. Sometimes I have to do it while they're playing their first song or so. Uh, I will set up a couple of remote strobes, and I'll, you know, take one of my little SB80s. I'll put it first. of Here's here's the trick, though. So obviously, you're like, what 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 are you talking about, dude? You're you're putting on you're putting flashes on stands in the middle of a of a concert. That sounds completely disruptive and and annoying. And and yeah, it would be if you if you don't take the the following remaining steps, which are to a, um, put some matching colored gels on them. So if if the stage is being lit by a bunch of red and blue and green, very saturated lights, put some matching red, blue, and green gels on your flashes. Step one, step two, grid the crap out of those things, either grid them or snoot them so that they're very directional and that the only people who can see them, if they're going to at all are the people on stage and not the rest of the of the crowd, and then thirdly, you dial those things down as much as you possibly can to like one sixteenth or one eighth, because um, at the end of the day, you you really just need that one or two stop and a half stop stop and a half of of additional light to, to get you know to get you to to that sure. you know sixtieth of a second or one hundred twenty fifth of a second, just enough to freeze the motion, you know, because you know I'm still shooting at like eight at eight uh, ISO eight hundred, and I'm still shooting wide open. Um, but, but I need that extra stopper to to, freeze the motion, you know, cause that exposure without the flashes would be you know, a 30th of a second. And that just, right. that just doesn't work. So I basically put pocket wizards on those and kind of leave them as remotes. And because I know that because I'm shooting at such low power, I'm getting nice, fast recycle times. They're not, you know, using a ton of power and because they have grids on them, they're not super annoying. And I've, I've asked you know, time and time again, did you guys notice the flashes at all? They're like, no, dude, those light, you know, your lights were nowhere near as bright as the ones that were in our faces all night long. Right, right, right. So, long story short, uh, I, I'm essentially reinforcing the existing light by just putting mine up there. And again, if you, if you, you know, position them correctly and and you, you know, you're tasteful, you don't, you don't flash the crap, you don't, you don't shoot through 2000 frames <laughs> through the entire performance. Uh, you can actually, uh, get away with it. And I've made some pretty good looking shots with that technique.
1: You know, That's an interesting way of doing it. I, yeah, I never, I got to the point where, especially with this kind of thing, I try to be as discreet as possible. Of course. You know? Sure. I try to be as, 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 as little disruptive as, as possible. Sure. Um, you know what else I also used is the uh
0: new silent mode oh yeah how'd that work out for on me? the shutter did, 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 well here's another thing to, to not to interrupt you but uh, I'm sure yeah. it worked out great but another key sort of element to this discussion is the is the context um right. it's one thing if you were being Hired. If you're being paid yes. by the band to do this, and it's another thing if you're just doing this for your for fun or for right. without the band's permission, like it. Or even if, if yeah. your friend, you know, if you don't yeah. even know these guys. So in the, my the, situation, these are all friends
1: of mine, but I didn't like ask beforehand. I right. just was oh, I brought a camera along and I take some pictures. Right. In, um, in my situation, told me. Yeah, you're bringing somebody's bringing you in to take the pictures. exactly right. all of the
0: right. situations that I've described to you. I was essentially you know contracted to to do this. So I was like, all right, well, if you're going to ask me to do this, I'm going to do it right, and here's how I'm going to do it. Uh, yeah. If I'm just showing up at a show randomly as a stranger, I would, I would, I would, never go to those lengths and, and, and be as obstructive. And I, I yeah. completely agree with you. Uh, when I, when I do, and I, I have done that, or at least in the past, I haven't done it in a long time, but if I were in that situation where I were photographing a band that I really liked, I hate being in someone else's way too. So I just basically get in the way, get my shot and then get out of the way. I'm never in the way yeah. for more than 30 seconds. Well, that's
1: the so. other thing too, is that a lot of times the microphones right Ugh. in front of their face, you know, yeah. so you got to get to the side or yeah. wait till they kind of drift off totally. a little bit. Totally. Um, so, I mean, I ended up getting it's funny because I mean, I didn't take a lot of pictures. Let's say I took 80 pictures, right? Uh-huh. Um, maybe 10 of them were like, these are really nice pictures. The rest were, oh, his eyes are closed. It's, yeah, yeah. You know, it's screwed up. It's, tough, guy's behind, man. Whatever. it's almost
0: harder than shooting people speaking.
1: Singing doesn't look like anything unless you get them like really belting a note or their eyes closed and their head drifted back or, you know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, otherwise, it just looks like they're standing in front of a microphone. No, it's true. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's, it, it worked out fine. And you know, it's nice again, y- your, your D three is what you shoot with. Right. Yep. Um, and the, and the 5d Mark three, like we can shoot at 3,200 and it's no big deal. Yeah. Or 6,400 and it's usable. I mean, as long as you're, these things are not for print at full size posters, but for like a oh, little flyers or on the web or whatever, it's fine. You know? Um, anyway, it was just kind of an interesting thing. Cause I never do that. Um, Anyway, it worked out good. Cool. Uh, yeah, so somebody asked us to talk about four thirds cameras.
0: Oh yeah. Micro four thirds you mean, right?
1: Yeah, micro four thirds. Neat. Um who was it who asked? Let me see here. Uh-huh. I have it here. I think it may have been Ah, J H T. J.H.T. James H. Taylor Media. <laughs> He's one of our uh, regular askers. He is one of our regular askers, and we we, we like his questions.
0: Yeah. And thank um, and I think he's actually supported us as well in the past. Uh, I think he has. So thank you again for your help with that, and and that goes to anyone else out there who uh, is thinking about it. You know, asking you shall receive, and we appreciate your support. Absolutely. But moving uh, forward.
1: I- well, okay, so he he asked for uh, micro four thirds cameras or four thirds cameras in general because the micro four thirds is really just the the way the lenses go right, and they have like uh, electronic viewfinders as opposed to optical. Yeah, is that basically I the think, big distinction? I think
0: distinction? The, the 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 key the key components, uh, you know, or, or whatever you want to call it, classifying factors of a micro four thirds camera are it's the a, sensor size. Yeah, it's, well, for obviously the first thing is the sensor size, sure. Right. Uh, second thing is usually um, electronic viewfinder, no mirror. And finally, uh, interchangeable lenses. Those are the sort of... And, and then they all... Because, because of those factors, they're also traditionally uh, small. It's a small form factor. It's smaller than a traditional mirrored DSLR. Right. And, and I've seen
1: good things in... Ba- okay, so the four-third sensor compared to a full-frame imi- uh, thing is small. It's like one-fourth, I think. It's, like, it's about one-half of crop sensor size. Is that about right? I think
0: so. Um, we should probably find one of those handy-dandy... I have I have a
1: thing. Okay, so uh,
0: full frame is... Let's see, blah, blah,
1: blah. 35 by okay. 24,
0: right? Millimeters? Yes,
1: right, right. I was looking at square millimeters. Oh, okay. Uh, but actually, that's medium format. So where's the smaller one? Okay, here we go. 864 square mil- millimeters for full frame. Uh, 864. Uh-huh. Uh, the cropped Canon is 329. Oh, right. 430. Four thirds is two twenty five, So it's like one fourth, the size of a full frame sensor. You say one fourth, one fourth. So, so a quarter of the size of a full, fr- of, a, of a slice a, of, of, a of, a of a 35, of 35. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, now there are advantages to this. The advantages are, uh, the sensors are cheaper oh, yeah. to make, yep. right? Cause they're smaller. Yep. Um, lenses can be smaller. Everything can be smaller, right? Everything can be smaller. um, and a lot of times they use, like you said, electronic viewfinder. So there's no real viewfinder. The viewfinder is getting, uh, pr- you know, put on a screen that you look into, mm-hmm. uh, that is getting pulled off the sensor. Mm-hmm. Um, now a lot of people like these cameras cause they're small and they're cheaper. Yeah. And yeah. as far as image quality goes, they are a step above the little compacts because most of the little compacts are very, very small sensors. Yeah. Like half most that of those size. are right. Yeah. Yeah. Or even smaller actually. Cause I think a lot of those little ones are like one yeah, one by one point eight, which is only thirty eight millimeters for like the little tiny sensors. So thirty eight square so
0: millimeters is what you're saying? Yeah.
1: That's really so small. Yeah, it's really small. But I think that's the size of the sensor like in your average little digit cam. Yeah, that's not much bigger than a phone sensor. A phone camera. Right. It's not really. Which is why most of the time if you're talking about, you know, your hundred and nineteen dollar Canon or Nikon at Best Buy right. or your five hundred dollar you know, Canon G10. Yeah, their sensors are not that different between those. I mean, you get more controls on the bigger cameras. You might get better glass in front of it, right? But ultimately, it's still the same sensor, right?
0: Yeah. Well, the, the um, later the later Canon G models have gotten there are quite the, good. Well, there are uh, the
1: brand new ones, but the right, old ones, like have,
0: like not even as old as two or three years ago. Right. You know, a three hundred dollar digital camera was coming with a sensor that the size of a you know of a freckle. I mean, they're they're not right that big. exactly.
1: Yeah. The new the new GX or whatever it is, the, whatever the new G1 is, actually has a fairly, I yeah. think it has a, a cropped sensor size. Well, we won't get into that. Yeah, yeah. Um, The point is that four-thirds cameras are really good because they're smaller, they're cheaper. Um, my friend Carlos, who we talked a little bit about last week, who's traveling the world, mm-hmm. uh, bought one of those Panasonic GH2s or whatever it is that I said, oh, yeah? um, which are supposed to take great video. Oh, yeah, I've heard uh, good things about that. Yeah, supposedly take fantastic video and the pictures are pretty high quality. The thing is is that when I have never opened up one of these smaller cameras files and looked at it and said, wow, (laughs) I always open it up, look at it 100% and go, looks digital. Yeah. You know that? Remember how images used to look digital had that sort of, you know what I'm trying to say? When
0: you're talking, again, let's just be fair here. You're talking about like just traditional open, like not, not lit. Let's um, just like available light, regular shots. Because I've yeah, yeah. I've been but even fooled. available light, regular shots in like good lighting,
1: you know. Yeah, but like the, I'm like telling you the, though, the, man, when, when you, and bottoms are you light
0: stuff right? I've seen amazing things come out of the crappiest cameras with the right light. I mean, uh, no, absolutely, you know? you're right. No, you're right. Um, but the, it, it just, I guess, they just feel
1: like they feel uh, almost like too sharp. You know what I'm saying? Well, like yeah, the, it's the pixels. It, yeah, I know exactly what you mean they're not smooth. They don't have that sort of polished kind of feel yeah. that you get from a digital SLR. Um, and I guess, I mean, you get what you pay for, you know, these camera, a lot of these cameras are six, 700 bucks, not thousand, 15, 2000, 3000. That's true. Um, and, but one of the advantages you get with a smaller sensor is that more stuff is in, you can't get as shallow a depth of field, right. which a lot of times is actually a good thing, right? Cause you want more stuff in, in focus. In, uh, sure. In focus. Right. Um, so there are advantages, and they're smaller, and they work better. The one thing that I've noticed playing my minimal experience with them is that the handling of them mm.
0: is pretty weak. Usually, well, you're, like, you're coming at it again from I'm an coming at it from SLR user. Absolutely, I would I yeah. would say that um, if you're coming if you're coming into the micro four thirds form factor uh, as a new photographer, from a digicam no, as a new photographer, let's say yep. you're you you're, you're, sure. you're you know you're 16 and your dad just bought your camera and this is what you got. That's a pretty cool place to start, man. Because you get it is you get a lot of is, really it is much better than a small thing. Yes. Yeah, and, and you get a yep. you get a lot of really great benefits um, that you can grow out of in and grow into uh, a bigger camera, um, and I mean a couple of other things that that are that I would consider potentially really huge benefits are the other thing is they're silent, dude. They don't make any noise. There's no sure. there's no mirror flapping around. So right. so they're you know we've actually kind of entered you, you know you're entering into the whole Leica. You know, stealth street photography mode. And okay. I've, I've seen actually come to think of it. I've seen at least one or two guys who have posted series of shots. They've shot just like that, where the camera's just hanging on their neck and they had it on a self timer and, you know, and they were able to take these really terrific shots, you know, cause they didn't have a camera up to their face. Um, yeah. And that's kind of nice.
1: And a lot of people actually uh, get adapter rings and put fancier glass in front of another them. great
0: point that uh, that's a really terrific small factor where you can, I mean, some of these cameras can, you can, you can, you can put Leica. You could put Zeiss class on yeah. these things, which is although
1: you know you, there is a big conversion factor. I think it's 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 one half, right? Something, so or it's, it's, twice. it's something absurd. But <laughs> so you need you if you have a fifty millimeter Leica lens, it's going to act like a hundred millimeter right. on thirty five. Right. So you, get wide. you need to go wide. And the problem is, is that wide lenses for Leicas and stuff are crazy expensive. It's true. So you get to the point where you're putting a thirty five hundred dollar lens on a four hundred dollar body or six hundred dollar body. It's true. Um, it's true. So it, it's it, it's it's a really neat thing. Part of me kind of feels like, um, that four thirds was started at a time when the sensors for digital SLRs were prohibitively expensive.
0: Yeah. I would agree with that. And,
1: and they were just kind of like, wow, the really expensive part is this sensor and let's make the sensor smaller and make this a very digital in quotes camera. Yeah. And like from the ground up digital. And I think in some ways, some of the reasons for doing that have sort of gone by the wayside. You see what I'm saying? Well, yeah. That like uh, that the prices of digital SLRs have come down so much that there's not as much room, right, what, in what, there. For what these you're things saying to is live. some of
0: the problems that they were trying to solve aren't problems anymore. Solve themselves, yeah. yeah. Um, part part of it kind of feels that. I would, way yeah, me. I wouldn't disagree with that. It might. It feels like there might have there is a degree of missed the boat <laughs> factor happening. Yeah. But again, I I I I did find myself coming back to this whole every day someone had, you know, someone new is, is doing something, you know, I, I, I I'm still constantly yep. fascinated by the fact that, you know, that, that today someone heard this song for the very first time, or someone saw that show, or someone had this idea or learned this concept for the very first time. Um, And, you know, and that, that's going to happen more and more as, as, you know, as our population. Okay. Grows. Well
1: here, let's, let's, let's back off for a second. Let's say this, let's say you have $750 uh-huh. to spend on a camera uh-huh. Do you tell somebody to buy a four-thirds four-thirds Do you tell them oh, to buy well, wait, a low wait. end digital SLR? <laughs> wait, who,
0: who am I and who am I talking to? Am I am I a, uh, am I a kid in high school that just just started reading about photography and wants to get into it big time? You know, there's too many. There's way too many variables there. Does my does my dad have a camera? Does my friend have a camera? Am right. I okay. going from some okay. example? You, you, you are you and somebody on our show is saying I have eight hundred dollars uh-huh. and I want to take good pictures. Mm-hmm. You'd probably say get the digital SLR, no? Well, I don't know. I would have to. I would need some more information. I would. I would have to know yeah. a little bit more about what that person um, is going for. I guess you know, it's like like Carlos wanted it because it's really small and light. Yeah.
1: First of all, you know? that's huge. Small that it, small no, and light that is, is it, a
0: huge uh,
1: it, no it, factor. It absolutely is. And you know what's actually nice? They have those pancake lenses. Yeah, they're little. They weigh nothing. The
0: tiny little yeah, ones. They're yeah. great, and they they're pretty damn sharp too, from what I remember. Yeah. yeah. Um, um Yeah. So, so that's, that's another factor to consider, you know, and then sometimes, I mean, if, if I'm talking to someone who like my dad, you know, who, who has been around for a really long time and knows, knows a lot about photography and and is just new to digital or, you know, is looking to sort of get back into it again, uh, I might give him a totally different recommendation than someone who is, you know, much younger and you know takes a ton of phone t- uh, takes a ton of pictures with their phone and is ready to sort of take it to the next level and is totally fine with editing Im- images in Photoshop and knows what you know no raw files are and is ready to you know to get all into that stuff you know there's there's different it, different problems from different people you know and it's not a, it's yeah, not a simple are. one one answer question
1: it's it's a weird it's a weird thing though that the little cameras have gotten better yeah uh, t- to the point where. I wonder if do you get that much better quality from one of these than you would of like the the you know the Canon the new Canon G or something like that? Like, I guess the the question is 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 is, is there enough of an advantage to step up to this without going to digital SLR for your average photographer who's not like I need it to be small, you know, mm-hmm. who who wants some sort of versatility, wants a camera to take good pictures. I wonder if it's like we said. It's getting they're getting squeezed in the middle.
0: Yeah, I think I think I, if I had to sort of lay it out on a on a line, you know, in a, in, a, in a series or whatever. Yeah. Um. I, I, at the bottom of the end, at the bottom of that of the line, or at the, at the beginning, are what we'll call the point and shoots, right? The little they're yep. all self contained, have a nice big screen on the back, you know, reasonable reasonable le- lens on it, um, and a teeny weeny sensor and. Even even today, like $300 will get you a pretty nice looking little Canon or Nikon or Olympus or Samsung or whatever, you know, whoever makes the, the cameras. Yep. They're all, they're all going to be pretty darn good, you know? Yep. Um, and what's great... Although I've given up those just for my right. phone. Uh, and most... That's, that's, I think that is definitely the trend that's happening now. So those cameras aren't going to be around as, as long, I would guess, because phone cameras are getting so much better. The one thing that those yep. all, though, all of those cameras have over phone cameras is that the lenses are better. You know, bigger. Yes. In this case, bigger is better. You know, a bigger, mm-hmm. higher quality lens is going to make a nicer looking shot. Um, th- I mean, that's that's just science. <laughs> um, now, as far as uh, personal preference goes, uh, sometimes uh, bigger isn't better because I'm not going to be sticking, you know, a giant, you know, cell phone camera with a giant lens in my pocket, you know, and carry it and expect to carry it around all day long because that thing is too bulky and too heavy and just it's not convenient. So, so there, there's that factor right and then 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 comes the this this sort of middle ground where we have the higher end um, point and shoots like the the four five hundred dollar five or six hundred dollar like the canon g series um cameras which have even nicer lenses uh can shoot in raw which is a a potential Mm -hmm. huge plus for some people Um, hell
1: even that little s100
0: yeah and some some of them have hot shoes on them so you can actually you know sync a flash to it if you want which is kind of nice yep um you know and have a bunch of pro features like you know time lapse stuff and and bracketing and other you know other nifty nifty uh, add-ons that you know your traditional point and shoot consumer would wouldn't wouldn't know what to do with or could care less about um but and what what those still have going for them is even even this new Fuji or no, not so new but the, the X100 what what that has going for it I was going to bring those up yeah.
1: it's weird those those are sort of a step but, above the small but, ones but not but in quite this the con- but in
0: this con- context it's kind of the same because it's a, it's a one it's a one trick camera. It, it, it has a fixed yeah. lens. It, you know, everything you have is, it's all in your pocket and it, and it's just one piece that you have to worry about and, and you're good to go. Yeah. Uh, the next, the, the next thing to consider, and this is where, where it gets interesting is, is the concept of interchangeable lenses. And for some people, that is a huge, huge deal. Yeah. Although a lot of people think
1: it's a huge deal, but then buy a can- an SLR with the kit lens and never take the kit. This lens is off. true.
0: That's, that's a totally different school. Uh, but the point <laughs> is that, The ability to change the lens. Is is the biggest line in the sand here? That's the grand divide, if you ask me. Yes. Uh, you can even look back in history, look back on, at historical cameras for a second, and look even even in medium format. Like look look back to the the Rolleiflex, right? The little those yep. little twin lenses. Those are little one piece wonders, man. Those are, are the yep. your your old Kodak and Polaroid, the little be- fold out, flip out yep. bellows cameras. Those were all. And I think one piece. A lot of
1: that has to do with intentions too. I think that a lot of people think. That they're going to change their lenses, and they think they're going to do all this stuff, and then tend not well, to. And you know, a lot of sure. these little compacts go from twenty four equivalent to one thirty five equivalent, yeah. which, optically, which, optically, no, no yeah, doubt, optically. Which is so it's sort of at the point where it's like, all right, how often do you actually need wider than twenty four or longer than one thirty five for taking pictures of your kids or whatever, sure. or that you're going to spend a thousand dollars on a piece of glass? Right. For your, you right know, um, but a lot of people think they're going to use
0: more than they end up doing you sure know? Um, that that actually introduces another factor to consider with these different kinds of cameras so one of one of the the classic examples of why um, uh, an SLR an, an interchangeable lens camera uh, is traditionally better than a non interchangeable lens camera and, and I'm talking specifically digital cameras here um, mm-hmm. it is, is a speed issue. Um, I think we've all had that totally fun and frustrating moment where someone, hand, you know, you either pull the camera out of your pocket, you turn it, you, you turn it on, you wait for it to wake up, wait for the lens to extract, uh, and then you, you know, you compose your shot, make sure it's in the right mode, you know, and then you half press, mm-hmm. didi, you know, you hear the little beeping, you, you know, make sure the thing, and then eventually you get your picture, <laughs> you know, shots. Uh, well, whatever, but but the point is, the time, the elapsed time to to actually get the picture is is actually quite quite long. Um, whereas, yeah. if you have uh, on the on the complete opposite end of that scale, if you have a pro DSLR with you know with a with a nice fixed or zoom lens, doesn't matter, any, you know any of that any of yeah. that stuff. If you've got two thousand dollars of camera hanging around your neck, you can. It's a matter of simply taking off the lens cap, switching the camera on, holding it up to your eye, and bang, shoot, and then you've got yeah. it exactly. You know, you've got what you what you wanted. Assuming yeah. you're 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 we, quick enough.
1: <laughs> we sat down and I, I was playing with Carlos's four thirds, and he was playing with my five D three, and he just pulls it up to his eye and he goes. Yeah. Takes a shot and he's like, holy crap, that's fast. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's it, dude, I mean, and that's, and that's the reason why I use a camera like that. And a lot of it, I think handling and ergonomics, and I mean, not necessarily even the, like, you know, your Canon Nikon, you know, I like the way the buttons are laid out better, mm-hmm. but like just the overall being able to get to what you need to get to without going through 43 levels of menus. Yep. It's a huge, it's a huge um, factor. Yeah, and I'll tell you that uh, my friend Randy's got one of those uh, Fujis, mm-hmm. and I played with it You're a little Talking about the bit. X100. Yeah. Well, he's got the okay. There's the X1 Pro. There's the, oh, X10, the X10. There's the X100. Right, 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 right. He's got the lower end right, one. That's whatever the X10. it is. Okay. Um,
0: it's a little black one.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, I didn't find the image quality very good. Mm-hmm. At 1600, it was very noisy. Mm-hmm. Um, but on top of that, just overall using mm-hmm. it, it felt really kind of I don't know I, I couldn't even find half the and not just like I'm not used to finding it like it was very confusing mm-hmm. trying to get around it and I've read reviews who say similar kinds of stuff sure. they say the camera's great the firmware sucks I right. heard know? that too. and then, and then the to their credit sucks.
0: Fuji has released at least half a dozen firmware updates for these various cameras over the right the year or two that they've Which, been around and
1: it's nice that you can actually do that yeah. kind of stuff nowadays totally. you know totally um but I think that a lot of people look at specs and they look at uh the the image quality, say, but they're not actually thinking about how it feels in the hand, how fast it is, how you know how much it feels part of your thinking, or it feels like this thing that gets in between you and your thinking right. um and so th- there there is you know an advantage to these slightly the the bigger say s l r camera versus the littler ones is that they just they're faster, you know what I mean overall they tend to be or Craig last week my friend Craig we bought him a T3i mm-hmm. which is 18 megapixel crop sensor mm-hmm. it does 1080p video just like my 5D3 and it cost with a kit lens like $700 or $800 That's, or some ridiculous does it thing does this
0: have the rebel like branding on it too I th- think it does yes nice.
1: now in many ways the images that this thing will take will be comparable to my 5D3 maybe not quite as good but comparable mm-hmm. right um But overall handling of the camera Mm -hmm. and trying to get around Mm -hmm. it and trying to get in and out of video mode and it's time. Yeah, those things like really, I mean, that's what you're paying for. You're paying for a camera that's that's waiting waiting on you. You're not waiting on it. So so coming around sort Um, of
0: full circle in in the in the scale of cameras, um, as you get higher up into this into this scale, uh, the higher end cameras are going to be more responsive and faster. And, yeah. and and you know be, better laid out and give you more more choices, um, and I yeah. think it, it kind of makes sense. You know, I mean, the, the the problem now is that there's just so many damn choices. There's almost too many things to choose from.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's personally, I, I kind of go from my iPhone uh-huh. to a digital SLR. Yeah, um, that I, I've I've played with cameras in between. The idea of carrying around a little Fuji X10 or X100. Or, or a Leica M9. Like, if I had the money for a Leica M9, sure, I'd buy a Leica M9. Really? You know, if I was independently wealthy. Oh, those cameras are really right, nice. Those things. Um, <laughs> but
0: you're, you're not a big rangefinder shooter. You weren't a Leica guy this before. This true. And those... Yeah. I mean, if, if that's your right. thing, they did a great job of replicating the the, right. the rangefinder in a digital camera, yeah. but it's just as right. annoying and just as slow and See, stupid looking. I, I like <laughs> rangefinders,
1: right? Okay. Um, so for me... You know, if if there's something between those two cameras, it's something like an M9. Sure. Because anything less than that just feels like, I might as well just take this damn thing with my iPhone. Yeah. You know, a lot of times. Yeah. Like, if I'm on vacation, mm-hmm. I mean, if it's just pictures of me and Heather or, like, my sister or, like, my nephew in front of some statue, sure. I could take that with totally, my phone. Totally, dude. Um, in a way that I don't really need to go and get this. And if I really need to zoom out to 135 or whatever it is, I'll bring my big camera. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know? Um, so, for me... That middle ground is sort of a, a, a no man's land, right? For for the way I use it, and cameras. I think I'm in the um, same way. Um, right, but and but there are a lot of people who you're right. It's enough for 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 again for Carlos. It's perfect, right. and then it's a it's a fairly small camera with these little sharp lenses that he can shoot stills and 1080p video and for the cost
0: of the body like the, yep. the body that you bought, he can get a really nice rig with like, you know, a body, oh, yeah. two or three lenses, maybe two or three accessories a for po- half the price a bunch of my cards, you know, a bunch of batteries, yep. you know, I mean, yep. you can you can put yourself yep. together a really nice little package. Um, yep. and, and, and it's a good compromise. Um, yep. not, and not to mention <laughs> it, all, all of that crap weighs about as much as the body, <laughs> as oh, the 5d it, mark. This III. thing
1: weighs it, absolutely yeah. nothing, uh, you know, just so can't. you can, you can outfit um, the entire
0: thing and not even have to worry about a camera bag. You just need to wear a, a, yeah. a jacket with enough pockets and you're, you're right. good to go. So I guess to wrap up,
1: uh, they can be good for certain people. There are advantages, absolutely, um, but there are enough disadvantages that I think if you're a serious photographer and you're trying to take picture, like if you're really into photography, mm-hmm. I would find them more limiting. I think you know, if you're spending eight hundred dollars, you might as well spend eight hundred
0: dollars on a low-end digital list. Yeah. Long. See, and but that defeats the the purpose, though, man. See, I, I would disagree with that right. analysis, and I would say it's it's a good camera for people who either aren't ready or aren't interested in the the d s l r thing they 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 understand that d s l r is quote unquote better but but they don't have they don't want to carry around five pounds of crap around their neck all right. day long right and the 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 difference in quality uh isn't that big of a deal you know it's like <laughs> well it depends it depends how it depends what you're doing with yeah the i i think right. i think it's 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 really good because i i i will bet you dude you you give a, a competent, experienced, professional photographer, a Micro Four Thirds rig, and they'll make some nice looking stuff with it, dude. I mean, it's of course it's not will. gonna.
1: But I mean, but I the, the the places where there's limitations are like dynamic range and and and, and, the the way the highlights and that's clip the difference. And, and that's
0: the difference where a uh, you know a professional, experienced photographer is going to be able to recognize that stuff quickly and adapt to it and learn to play play up the strengths and play against the you know play down the the weaknesses. Whereas someone who has, isn't as experienced, they're just gonna have to learn that. Um, through trial and error, and you know, through experience, right? right. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's a, it's a neat little space, so to speak, in the, in the, the world of digital cameras. Um, and it's, you know, it's also kind of a uniquely digital-only f- phenomenon. Um, and uh, I, I i always get, a, I always spend a minute looking at the latest offerings, just because it's, 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 it's a kind of a. I mean, let me put it to you this way. I'll, I'll, I'll even go so far as to say this: if Micro Four Thirds was around. At the in in the year two thousand, when I was about you know when I spent my five hundred bucks on my Nikon Coolpix five thousand, I would have opted for one of those easily. You know, I would I would sure, but it's a step up from your Coolpix five thousand. Well, no, not really, uh, because the the Coolpix, I mean, was the high end point and shoot, and that you know the only option was either spending I think actually it was more like six or seven hundred dollars on a high end point and shoot, or five thousand dollars on a D. 100 or d1x right. or whatever and i just couldn't it was just too great of a divide sure but but you know for me looking to get into digital photography and I, i'm an experienced i was an experienced photographer i knew what a little bit you know i wasn't as knowledgeable and experienced as i am now but I, you know i knew enough to to get what i wanted um i would have totally gone for that um so i think that that could a uh, micro four third system would make a really great first dip into the you know I hate to use the word prosumer but you know one step up from com- consumer and one step below professional uh, scene uh, so
1: yeah see I, I feel like it's it's trying to be both and it fails at both well, so either 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 back down to Digicam or go up to Lessel. fair enough I mean you guys you <laughs> different know, you folks can for different strokes or yeah. whatever they say incidentally enough just to wrap this whole yeah. thing up apparently the imaging area of a four third sensor is almost identical to that of 110 film
0: <laughs> cute.
1: Remember one ten film cartridges, those little cartridges. Those are yeah. great.
0: I had an Ektar, <laughs> an Ektar graphic or whatever it was. It, it was Did like, uh, the dimensions. Oh, remember there's a yellow one that was waterproof. Um, my dad yeah, 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 yeah. had one of those. And then I had one. Yeah, it was like, uh, it was, it was maybe uh, an inch and a quarter tall and then maybe two, two and a half, three inches wide. And then, like seven or eight inches long you know and it was like a like a a narrow
1: it was like the size of a of an ice cream sandwich a little bigger
0: yeah ice cream sandwich is the right is the right proportions for sure uh and then it had a flash Uh, on the left hand side and then you you looked you know i had a a, a straight through optical viewfinder in the middle and then yeah and then it took like a double a battery or two uh those are great good times anyway just kind of funny
1: (laughs) hey uh so i've been collecting uh pieces of my new hackintosh oh that's exciting so here's the interesting thing. Oh. I was originally going to buy all this stuff at yeah, once, like you that's know, what I had, had I had about. my little you're do, kit together. You're right. Wait for okay. the Intel
0: announcement and then the motherboards to be available right. and blah blah blah. Exactly. Now I still haven't
1: bought the motherboard or the CPU because those aren't available. Although those. some motherboard reviews came out this oh. morning. But a few weeks ago, there was you know I get these coupons from Newegg, right? Did we talk about New last week? Maybe. They, okay. Why? What about them? Newegg is great. Sure. I'm I'm a Me huge too. fan of them for years. But I buy enough for Newegg that
0: I get those coupon emails. Oh, the uh, the egg blasters or what do they call them? Yeah, those kinds of things. So <laughs> extreme, I usually, extreme deals. Yeah, yeah. So
1: I go through and I just sort of glance through and see if there's anything that I need at the uh-huh. moment that there's a good deal on, and you know maybe sure. I'll take it. So it turns out that the past few weeks have had all these things that I need for my new uh-huh. computer. For example, I bought this 750 watt Seasonic power supply, this high-end Seasonic power nice. supply, which if you run it at less than 250 watts, which I probably mm-hmm. will, is like silent. The fan just doesn't nice. turn on, cool. right? So, and it was it's usually 170 dollars with coupons. It was 110 Sweet. bucks. Score, boom, yeah. order right. So I got that sitting nice. here. Then uh, they had another coupon for the Intel SSD, the 520. Yeah, the one that you've been model looking at. 240 gig SSD. They had a deal. Did you just get one? You just got an SSD. Yeah, I got it a couple weeks ago. $30 off uh, the regular price. So then the other day, I get another Uh one, and they have the RAM that I want this Mushkin Uh Blackline RAM, 16 gig uh, DIMMs, you know, 16 gig packages, Mm -hmm. two of them, Mm -hmm. right? So 32 gigs total, four DIMMs, for. One hundred and three dollars with a coupon, whatever, cost me one hundred and ninety dollars for thirty-two gigs of RAM.
0: Damn, that just seems wrong. <laughs>
1: yeah, and so like I ordered the RAM, so I got the uh-huh. RAM. I guess my question is, do you get coupons from people in the mail? And like, I feel, I mean, I feel like I'm getting good deals. Like, I'm saving myself twenty percent on these on the ten twenty sure. percent on these things. And so I feel like, you know what, I'm going to buy the new computer in two weeks anyway. Uh-huh. I might as well, sure. if this is thirty percent off, I'll take it for th- you know yeah. whatever. But the other flip side of me kind of feels like a sucker, like I'm actually buying the coupon things they're sending me, <laughs> you know? That's how it works, though. I guess my question is, do, do you get these things? I no. mean, not necessarily from Newegg, but, like, do you ever... Do you have preferred vendors that you actually get coupon stuff from that you buy into? You know,
0: uh, I can't... I don't think I do. Not to the not to the extent that we're talking here. Uh, I do have okay. pre- I mean, I don't normally vendors. all the time. It's just this particular string of I, things. Well, I
1: have... You know what I have... had? I, I would say... Oh, oh no, no, no. And I bought a case... <sighs> This, this fractal design case, uh-huh. which is normally $129 plus shipping, uh-huh. was $79 free shipping. Like half off.
0: Yeah. Can't, hey, so not agree with that, Done. Man. It's a good
1: deal. It's just... Anyway, sorry. No,
0: I, I was just going to say, I tend to have... Uh, I'm more of a sucker for the the um, for the for next day or, you know, twelve for 12 hours only, 35% off free shipping. Use this discount code. Like, that kind of crap. Okay. Uh, well, I've,
1: yeah, because you did that with the, the, uh, the stuff from InCase. Most recently. Yeah. But I've
0: done that in the past, too. Yeah. Um, uh, with, you know, Amazon has done stuff like that, um, you know, like limited time, short time, really good deals. You know, I, I will be more inclined to uh, to participate in those. Um,
1: I, I, oh, hey, speaking, speaking of which, uh, quick little thing. I bought one of those uh, Luma Pro. Oh, this flashes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I bought I bought the old one because they, they had them. They got them back in stock. And the reason I bought the old one as opposed to the new uh-huh. one is, first of all, it's $40 cheaper. Sure. Uh, and it's like one stop less powerful, but I don't. I'm going to use it at lower power sure. anyway. Uh, and it's uh, it's smaller, did you, right? Did, did and you uh,
0: get it yet, or is it Silenceway?
1: Uh, I, I it's on. It's in shipping. It should be here like tomorrow, whatever it is. But I'm going to Austin in a week uh-huh. and a half. Um, and I, I there's a guy down there. I'm I'm going to go take some pictures uh-huh. of. And the picture I kind of want to take, I need some flashes. And I was like, all right, my other Canon flash, my old 550 EX. Mm-hmm never quite works the way I want it to. It doesn't do what right. I want it to do when Let I want it to things, do it. Man. Right. So I think what I'm going to do is sell it on <laughs> eBay oh, and, then and buy two of <laughs> these things. Totally, dude. Yeah. Right? You're, going to, you're basically doing the can same use... thing I do
0: with my SB-80s, but with cheaper flashes.
1: Yeah. So exactly. Nice. That's exactly nice. what I'm going to do. So I'm going to, I'm going to try one of these things out. So we'll see if it works as well. And how much do you end up getting those SB-80s Dang. for?
0: Average about 150 bucks
1: okay so this one is like
0: 120 bucks i mean the, diff- the difference so, is you're getting something brand new and then there's one additional bonus feature that the, those lumas have that that the nikons don't which is they actually have an eighth inch mini input on yeah it, which I was is kinda sweet. Say, that's that's nice i'm
1: almost tempted to buy a set of the hundred dollar for both the thing the buff transmitters because okay. they're so much smaller oh, those than
0: yeah. they're tiny And do those, those take eighth inch as well Oh yeah. Nice. Cause they're made for the, they're made oh, for the alien. Nice. Yeah. And I, my, my pal Seth has those and he loves them and they work great. Right. And they're, they're like, so dude, they're anyway. like a third of this. I mean, they're really small compared to a pocket wizard.
1: Yeah. They're yeah. tiny. So I kind of almost want to sell my pocket wizards and get those things. Uh, I don't think,
0: because they're so that's small. that's a bad call, man. That's, I mean, the only, the only thing you'd be, yeah you know, the only, the only downside is that you'd be minoritizing yourself. <laughs> um, because you know, yeah. you can walk into literally any studio, any any yeah. legitimate place and pocket wizards are everywhere. That is the gold right. standard.
1: And and you know what, when I'm going and renting yeah. a studio and I'm renting a bunch Obviously. of gear, they're going to give me pocket wizards yeah, yeah. anyway, but for your own stuff, which I know how to I use. Mean, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean,
0: if you, if you have four pocket wizards compared to four of those little palsy buff remotes, I mean, it, yeah. it's, that's like a whole pocket in your bag. I mean, that's like, you know, that's yeah. a lot of real estate we're talking about.
1: That's exactly what I'm thinking. All I really need is one transmitter, maybe two receivers. You know, because most of the time that's those true. things are going to work fine opticals. optically. That's
0: the, and that's the other huge feature of the SB-80. Right. is the, I always so use I the, can have,
1: anyway. I can keep the I can anyway. So I can keep the, the 580, you know, the higher-end Canon yeah. strobe. Use for that. TTL stuff. TTL sure. even. Yeah. And you know what else? Oh, I had a question so. for you, which I guess we can talk on yeah. the air. I was going to buy one of those little, um, like, 8x12
0: stuff boxes. Um Oh, the little, the collapsible the speed ones, lights? like the ones that I have?
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. Like the Westcott or whatever they are, Luma Pro, like all those uh-huh. different things. Um, And they're not cheap though. There are or, or some of those are, I mean, some of the uh, like 12 by 12 ones and stuff are, are like 160 huh. bucks. Some of them are not cheap, huh. but uh, uh, Adorama has, you know, they have their own brand. You oh, know, yeah.
0: the, I forget Impact what their brand is. Flashpoint. Flashpoint. Sure.
1: Yeah. Um, they have one, it's
0: $39. That's like the ones I get on eBay from China. Right. Okay. So not a bad idea. Well, you've seen the ones I have they're not, right. I'm not going to say that they're the, I'm
1: not using those things every no, day. It's just not, like every once in a while while I'm traveling and I want some decent yeah, light. They're not
0: the, the most well put together pieces of equipment and they're not definitely not that they don't produce the nicest looking light I've ever seen, but form right. over function. I mean, they're, they're small, they're cheap yeah. uh, and they're extremely convenient. You know? I mean, have you right. seen, I, I don't know if you've ever seen uh you've seen uh, chimera, chimera chimera chimera, right. whatever. I think it should be Chimera, uh, right? That's the way know. you pronounce yeah. that word. But yeah, that company, whatever. yes, American company. I think they're based out of Colorado, and they make all their things by hand. You know, out of really nice materials, and that stuff looks really, really great. Uh, and they make a couple of little baby-sized softboxes, But like you said, their th- things are great. They're, they're just, just, just expensive. expensive is the thing. So yeah. Right.
1: Um, anyway, so uh, so I ordered one of those things. We're going to see uh, how it works. Nice. Hey, you had a uh, you had some hard drive stories to wrap oh, this thing up. Oh boy, yeah. So, wait, you, were, you decided... Uh, let me see if I can do the short mm-hmm. intro. You decided you had a whole bunch of smaller hard drives in your no, closet. No, that's a fact.
0: I actually had a whole bunch of hard drives in there. Right. It wasn't a decision. Okay. That's a fact.
1: Okay. <laughs> Those were on your closet, and you decided, you know what? I need to move these forward to consolidate them onto bigger drives
0: that I know that the data is safer on bigger drives. That wasn't drives. the uh, motivation, actually. The original motivation was that my pal, uh, Nico... Who I think we should have on the show at one point because he he might be interesting to talk to about stuff. Anyway, uh, Nico recently uh, went on a, a pretty sizable eBay binge uh, earlier in the year and sold off a bunch of his stuff. And <laughs> it happens to the best. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm and I'm overdue. I'm about ready to do it myself. And I've been you know I've been stockpiling a few little bits and pieces that I've been meaning to sell. And we were chatting about it, and he's like, um, you know what? What sold u- unexpectedly well were these old hard drives that I've had lying around and he had like some of these old, you know, like 80 gig, 60 gig, 40, you know, old ass who's buying I them. I don't know. Well, here's why would they here's the buy the only example I can think of? All right. So you are, um, you just got your hands on a vintage PowerBook G3, you know, wall okay. street or, or an old, um, you know, I don't know, some old classic IBM or HP, whatever right? right some old computer from the year 2002 you need a replacement and two exactly. and a half inch and the, and the drive that it came with obviously got burnt out and is dead and right. those logic boards and those hard drive controllers do not know you know anything they've never right. even con- they couldn't consider a drive larger than 20 gigabytes you know or 100 so gigabytes these were
1: bare drives yeah. or they were
0: he basically pulled these drives, okay. most of the his were, were out of macintoshes and actually had apple logos on them you know apple firmware but not all of them uh, but they the average drive sold for like 20, 20, 30 bucks, <laughs> which is kind of, which okay. is, you know, hilarious. I
1: actually have a stack in my own <laughs> yeah. closet that I, so, so,
0: so I'm like, all right, you know what? I know I have a giant box of like something in the neighborhood of 25 to 30 of these damn drives from years of just sitting around. And I'm like, a- and so the motivation was, was financial. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get, you know, I could use the extra cash to, to, you know, to buy some other stuff. Uh, and on top, I would also, you know, have a little nostalgic trip down memory lane and, and, you know, pull up some of these old drives, maybe find some old nuggets of stuff that I'd forgotten about and, you know, I could back up. Um, and, and then obviously I would zero them out and, you know, make them ready, get them ready to sell. Uh, to
1: sell. And you use your little uh, duplicate app that you talked about a couple weeks what, ago. Chronosync?
0: No, no, no the didn't you find some dupe, oh, oh, uh, uh, Gemini I'd use that software to, yeah to, to, to hunt out dupes yeah. absolutely in fact that kind of ties into the story so a um, couple couple of days ago I guess earlier in the week how
1: did you connect these things to your computer? Uh, various
0: ways um, I have a couple of old old uh, external ex- uh, uh firewire enclosures that you know uh, i used to use in the past you know uh, so you yeah well they, they were you know they were designed to ha- you know i bought them empty so that i could make my own external hard drives you know from from when that's right. what i did um so i had a, a one or two old school you know parallel ata uh and then one serial ata uh enclosure and basically just left them open and plugged one drive in soft you know would see if it mounted up and if it did i would uh I would grab, you know, if it was easy, I would just grab everything. And if it was too much, then I would go nitpick through and just grab the little bits that I, that I wanted. And, uh, I happen to have, um, a two terabyte hard drive in my Mac pro that was pretty much empty. Um, it had maybe 40 or 50 gigs of, of backups and other, you know, recent stuff on it. Uh, and, and I figured, you know, there's no way I have two terabytes of stuff that I want to keep, uh, on all of these drives because they're all, you know, as I said, I think the smallest one was four gigabytes, <laughs> uh, and the largest, <laughs> Aww, <that's laughs> so cute! Uh, and the largest one, actually, no, the largest ones were 500 gigabytes. Um, cause those are the ones I most, oh, most recently great. rotated out, but I only had, like two of them. And those were, those were already blanked. Like I'd already, you know, because they were so recent, I've I already moved all that stuff over. So there wasn't anything, uh, unique on them. So sure enough, I go through this whole process and, uh, out of the 30 some odd drives, um, Two or three of them were just flat out busted, just didn't work or would make horrible clicking sounds or, would you know, hang the computer every time I plugged them in. I'm like, all right, well, so see well, those are in a pile to be trashed. Uh, but the overwhelming majority were totally functional. You know, I plugged them in, they mounted right up, and I was able to build a nice little, you know, I, I basically made a folder with the name of whatever that drive was and copied its stuff over. Uh, I tend to turn them into sparse images. Um, well, that's if you want the whole thing. But almost almost every yeah. time I didn't want the whole drive. I just wanted like this one folder right. out of that drive and it was just quicker for me to to do that. And that worked out just fine. So I, you know, slowly but surely went through this giant stack of drives till I was down to maybe one or two. Uh and and coincidentally the, the the two terabyte drive was down to about, you know, I don't know, sixty gigs left. Sixty gigs available. So I'm like, all right, okay. you know, I've been doing this for a really long time. Um I'm just gonna do This one last transfer, and then go to bed, uh, and so I you know I drag over this folder it 's about forty gigs uh, you know it's obviously going to be the last the last bunch that'll fit on this drive and you know I start getting a beach ball and i'm like oh, that's weird um, and you know the transfer starts it just hangs, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, obviously this drive isn't as healthy as I thought it was, so you know I go through some some troubleshooting steps and we restart a couple times, plug unplug what have you turns out that the uh, the drive I was working with uh, was fine, and the troublesome drive was the two-terabyte drive, where uh, everything I'd been copying to was uh, living.
1: Did you clear all the other drives after you Of course. You copied, that's, the, no? that's,
0: what, that's what I was doing. I was basically copying them uh, over and them over. But, you weren't, them but over. you weren't copying over to two I, different but I things. But didn't, I didn't think to back that drive up yet because, A, I wasn't done, and, B, you know, I... Yeah. You know, Hard. yeah. What are the odds that it's going to fail? Exactly. While like, you're I mean, the, the odds are so so, yeah. so slim. And, and the the funny thing is, I actually have another two terabyte drive, a brand new one, sitting here that I was planning on backing it up to. Um, oh, so so I know. So so now I'm dealing with this issue where essentially, uh, and we, I'm, uh, I don't want to get too too into it. Uh, there are obviously many different ways that hard drives can fail fortunately in my case this is dying the slow death as i will call it uh it is not a uh, it doesn't appear to be the hardcore electrical failure where a component just flat out isn't working like so it's not it's not clicking it's not it's not making weird noises uh it's definitely not a software issue because i wasn't able to you know i I, one of the very first things i tried two
1: terabyte drive it has to be fairly yeah it's
0: new it's under warranty i'll get it i'll be able to get it replaced no problem um the uh Uh, you know, the very, one of the very first things I tried was, you know, disc first aiding it and, you know, other disc utilities. I ran disc warrior on it. And what, one of the things that disc warrior does is it, it it is able to tell you that, uh, you know, if there's a physical problem with the drive while, you know, why it's taking so long. Uh, And, and then sure enough, after a second restart uh, disc utility came up with uh with the red stat, you know, the smart status fail, which is always, you know, another unsettling thing to happen. Yeah. Um, So, uh, you know, I you know I felt like I was on the on the clock at this point. It's like, all right, well, damn it, I need to get as much of this stuff off of here as fast as possible, so uh I prepared myself for the very likely possibility that when you know from previous experience when when these sorts of errors occur um it's not uncommon for you to run into uh, disk errors, You know, which, so, so it's not a simple matter of just select all drag and let it go. Oh, and it'll say, oh, I'll finish in about 18 hours, come back and I'll be done. You know, it, it what's likely to happen is, you know, it'll start copying and then, you know, an hour in after you've left and gone for the day, you come back and it, it, it got hung up on some file and it's saying, you know, an error occurred. So, yeah, I hate so that. The, so,
1: Copying is still not
0: foolproof not, on computers. So not in the Finder. Do
1: you think this yeah, would be well, figured out? It is out.
0: figured out, and it's called ChronoSync. <laughs> so what I did was I set yeah. up a really basic ChronoSync routine to essentially copy the entire contents from the busted 2-terabyte drive to the brand-new 2-terabyte drive, which I installed right next to it inside the, the Mac Pro. And um, I, I basically told ChronoSync that when you run into a disk error or any other sort of show-stopping event skip it and move on to the next one. And it, it, it did it. it you know, it, it basically got on, on its way and, and how many things? And, did it skip? Uh, well, well, I started it at like mm, 10 30, in the morning and then left for the day. And I came back at like midnight, uh, that day and it was still cooking and it had copied about 30 gigabytes. Yeah. That's 30 it. gigabytes in almost 12 hours. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, so at this rate, (laughs) I'm going to need to sit here. I'm going to need to let this thing run
1: for For like weeks
0: weeks on end. And it's just not going to happen, you know? So, so then I, then I decided, all right, well, that's, that's plan C, you know, that, that's my last ditch effort. If if I have to do it that way, that's how we'll do it. Then I, I started thinking about it. I'm like, all right, well, one of the reasons why it's probably taking so long is because every time the file the the system is asking for a file from the drive, it has to do the whole heads and tails thing. It has to, you know, register the beginning of the file, find it, and then the end of the file, and then on to the next one. So if we're dealing with quicksand here and everything that would normally take a second takes thirty seconds, that amplifies out to, you know, that multiplies out to a ridiculous amount of time. So so the thought occurred to me here's what I'll do. I will make a block level disk image of this thing i'll do a block level copy okay. so what i did was i went restarted the computer went back into disk utility and i tried to do a restore so i basically told disk utility to image on the block level the busted drive to the brand new drive um and you know therefore they're, therefore essentially ruling out files in general no sure. files just just blocks
1: disk utility actually when you do restores or image it actually uses block when you check that little erase target
0: drive checkbox that's what it does uh and you can do it in the terminal as well if you want to but it's just so much easier in disk utility so so i did that and let it go for about an hour and its estimate was about eight hours and i let it go for an hour or whatever and came back and it had failed (laughs) so that didn't work I tried it one more time and it failed again. Uh, so then the last thing I tried was to do a sparse image as you as you had said of of the busted mm-hmm. drive, just to a nice you know op- wide open two terabyte drive, and that started as well. But again, about an hour and a half into it, uh, it failed as well. So I have essentially come around full circle. And what I'm doing, Given what up I'm on doing, your data? No, I, I, well th- <laughs> that's true. I have come to terms with that. I am. I have now. Arrived at the, you know what, dude, that shit's been in your closet for three-plus years, and you haven't touched yeah, it? If your house exactly. had burned down, you wouldn't have and, you been know, that worried about All of this is it, nostalgia yeah. at this point, with the exception of the 40 to 50-some-odd gigs that were on that drive to begin with, which were actually legit backups that I wouldn't uh, mind not having back. So... What I did was I used Chronosync to basically one folder at a time grab the bits that were were the the current stuff, uh, and of that forty some odd gigs, I got like thirty nine of it back. There were you know maybe maybe two dozen and you know Nef fi- you know raw files that just didn't copy right. over, and you know not not a lot. Totally reasonable losses considering the the fact that the drive is failing. You know. Uh, and so now I'm at the stage where I'm going through the old hard drive contents and doing the same thing. I'm basically going for the unique stuff first because a lot of the stuff is like old music and, and video and photo stuff that, um, that, you know, that I worked on projects from years and years ago that I never really cared about that much. And I, again, honestly, if, if it, if it comes down to the point where it's gone for good, it's not the end of the world. I, I can, I'll live, but right. at the, at the same time, if I had the choice between having it and not having it, I would like to have it, you know? Here's, yeah. here's a question. How much would
1: you be willing to spend if you could send it to somebody and they could guarantee it? How much would you be willing to spend? Uh, none. No, I, that's just it. I've already come to terms with it. You really? It's, it's, so, okay. I know but you'd like to have it, but you wouldn't say, I'd spend no, $200 no, to do that. I'm not, I'm not there. It's not, it's, okay.
0: not, it's not that valuable to me.
1: You know what the moral of the story Back is? up
0: your stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Always back up. Always be backing up. The funny thing is that you actually got bit with a failure while yeah. essentially backing and, and, up, and, I, and a joke about the it.
1: The mistake you made was clearing those drives as you copied them, as opposed to waiting until exactly. you were all done and backed up exactly. and then and cleared. And
0: the it it's kind of like a grand sort of irony because I, I do yes. have an unusually uh high good luck factor when it comes to computers. Like things have a tendency yep. to go well for me, you know, more so than than other people. Uh, but on very but the way that seems to 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 play out or balance itself out is that on occasion something tremendously awful will happen to me. Uh, yeah. So long story short, I, I tend to have pretty good luck with computers, like better luck than most people. But the 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 flip to that, the way it sort of balances out is every once in a while something tremendously awful will happen to me. Um. You know, like like the the last major time, the last major event, uh, just before I left. Um, Chicago like it was like literally m- months before it was in two thousand and six and uh i uh, i was uh putting together i <laughs> so I took this trip to Japan where I was doing um, some photography and video stuff for my friend. uh, And I wanted to get all of that data consolidated. Uh, And the video stuff was on a handful of different DV tapes. You know, maybe I shot, maybe because this is, you know, back in 2005 or whatever. And I had a whole stack of DV tapes and maybe two or three hard drives that had various things all over, you know, in, in various spots. I just wanted to get consolidated. So my old pal, Brian happened to have two DV decks that I could use to dub you know, to essentially dump everything down. She needed it back on a DV tape. You know, it's like, why couldn't I just send her a hard drive with files? But no, she wanted a DV tape, whatever. So I pile all these DV tapes into a, uh, and, and a computer and a hard drives, you know, all my hard drives into a backpack, drive on down to Brian's house. We have a great old time. And I come back home, plop the bag on my, uh, on my couch. And then I, I just step out, uh, to, to grab a slice of pizza. Uh, and in the 15 minutes that it takes me to go get the pizza and come back, someone broke into my house and stole the goddamn backpack. No, <laughs> with all my drives, all my tapes and my computer. And I'm like, Argh! that is like, you know, the, the odds of that happen, because normally they would be in two different places and everything would have been fine. And I could have lived without half of that stuff. They could have had the computer cause that was backed up. Um, and they could have had the, you know, but, and my camera was in there too. Actually the little, the little crappy Panasonic video camera that I, that I shot all that stuff with, so but I'm even sorry. that was okay. So, you were just saying that you have good luck in this stuff. <laughs> yeah, but every once in a while, every I guess every six years or so, something tremendously tre- like you know what, just that's awful probably average when you're really looking. That's, at That's so that's how I'm looking at it. You know, it's like yeah. so so be it. You, know? I, uh, you I'm, know, I'm I'm happy with my average good luck. I,
1: I, <laughs> I've I've as I've not to try to get too deep into it, but you know, yeah. as as you guys may know, I have so I have two two terabyte drives that are my. Photo drives, And they're not full. They have like a terabyte and a third, terabyte and a half each. Yeah. And so I have those every night backing up to sparse bundles on a three terabyte drive. Mm-hmm. So that I have copies. So I have at least two copies of everything. You know? Sure. Good. Um, uh, but like for the new machine, I'm getting to the point where... I need a little bit more space because hard drives slow down as they fill up. Right. So I wanted to get like two, three terabyte drives as my drives, but mm. then I need at least a four terabyte drive to, to back, back those up, up to. Sure. And four terabyte drives are still like $350, $400. dollars well, have been out for like two weeks. <laughs> right. Exactly. But, um, hard drives in general are still expensive, but I don't want to have to have two other drives to back up the two drives. You know what I mean? I'm trying to no, whole I- It gets great. And it gets really tricky. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I and I re- and then you know yes my data is worth $500 to me but like I don't really want to spend $500 that I don't have to spend. Right. And and
0: what you're that's talking about that's not going to any more than, than, I, than mine. Now now if I had if I had the ability, if, if you if you're asking me that same question years ago like would I pay $2000 to for, for my stuff to magically reappear? You know like if I could find the the jerk that stole my backpack I would yeah. happily pay that in a heartbeat because yeah. you know that was totally irreplaceable stuff yeah the stuff that i'm uh that you know that, that that's on these hard drives technically some of it is irreplaceable um but most of it again i've sort of come to terms with you know I, yeah, i've sure. lived without it for this long you know? well that's the thing sometimes you just go through those old drives and you're like oh i remember that picture yeah
1: it's some stupid thing that somebody yeah, yeah. sent you exactly. in an i am or whatever yeah um yeah i do have that and then, you know heather had a had her power back or her uh power book titanium mm-hmm. i remember that thing yeah, and uh, so she had it here in like the hard drive, and we were, it's kind of dying. And so I cracked the drive out of it and I put it in a little external thing and I ripped it. And so there's a 20 gig hmm. sparse bundle. Mm hmm. Sitting on my backup drive, and I think that might be the only copy of it. I might have copied it to one of her externals, you know, just in case. But like, there's really nothing on that that yeah. we need. But it's nice to just like, oh, we just imaged her drive. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, totally. Um, the, the thing that's like, killing me, I found a bunch of stuff from my parents' old computer, and it's only nine and a half gigs. Nice, yeah. But that, it's that's, like you know, nice their email backups little. and stuff from their computer when my father was still alive. Totally. So who knows
0: what's in there if I really yeah, want yeah, to totally. search you, through You want to hold yeah. on to it. The thing yeah. that the thing's killing me now is I, I used I used to use Retrospect as yep. a backup app back in, I guess I'm looking here at in 2005. Does that use proprietary files? Well, it does. It, it can. And, and it, and in this case I did. So I have this 104 gigabyte retrospect file, uh, with a bunch of audio stuff on it, which I, I couldn't tell you what's on it. It's probably a whole bunch of old recordings that I, I would like to hold on to, but it's in one single file. And I have a very, uh, low expectation of being able to rescue that giant ass file. Cause that's the thing when you come, when it comes to these sorts of disc errors, big ass files are the ones that are going to be most likely to, to get corrupt because yeah. they take up so much space on the desk. But, uh, we'll see. I did find they, apparently these still do make retrospect and I downloaded a, a demo of it. So if, and when the time comes, I will <laughs> try to crack into that file and, and, get whatever's in there out
1: hey do you but, like uh, retrospect or i mean Chronosync better than uh, uh super duper for what i do which is just sort of copying like building sparse bundles and smart updating them
0: well they're they're kind of two
1: different tools
0: um chrono
1: can do a lot of that stuff though right it doesn't have
0: the the facility the the ease of use factor okay that yeah because um,
1: super duper i have it's just a scheduled thing it just does it
0: you know <laughs> oh excuse me
1: no, which no, is nice because well, I don't have to
0: think about it. My okay. computer's on, it doesn't. It. No, no, of course. And, and to that extent, chrono scheduling is far superior to super okay. duper. I mean, you can get really crazy with the scheduling. Um, and uh, for, I, but let's put it this way. Chronosync is a way more complicated and robust tool. It has a lot more tricks than, than super duper. Super duper is great because it's simple. It's a one trick pony. It, it, it does exactly what it, what it says it'll do every time. It's easy. It's, you don't have to worry about it you just turn it on flip two switches hit hit go and you're done uh, and that's awesome and that's why i like it um chronosync uh, can technically do everything that superduper can do and a ton of other stuff okay. um i really like it because it's super tweakable like it can do things like like keep historical backups and archive the changes so like if you're synchronizing two folders and then um, and you can have that so like when i i actually use this when i'm teching on a job i will have uh a hand, however many uh, chronosync documents because that's how it works. You save your routine as a document uh, open and ready depending on however many syncs I need to run. I might have one that does the entire job you know, top to bottom you know, every time uh, which I'll run manually and then I'll have another one that does just the folder that we're working on or just the last folder that we worked on that'll run every 15 minutes uh, and then I can even have it say if anything changes update those changes but move the changed files to this other folder so that I can review them before I you know, in case somebody made a mistake. You know, in case yeah, someone yeah. deleted stuff. Um, and you can set up all these notifications and and scripts and sure. and you know all kinds of other. It's like it's like Hazel for disk stuff. Um, I don't know about that. It, okay, it's worth it, it's totally worth the forty bucks though. If if anybody okay. is is thinking about that, uh, I can't speak highly of it enough. It's it's definitely proven itself time and time again for me i
1: will Um, uh i will give it a shot hey uh one last little mac question which you might know the answer to sure is there any way to hide a specific drive from your desktop like if you have your you have it show your drives up in the right hand corner yeah is there any way to like like i have my backup drive that's up there yeah but i don't
0: need it i don't i kind of don't want to see it you You want you want it but you want one but not the other this
1: yeah, like I want. Yeah, I want my drives right. with my photos, but I want to hide. Yeah, yeah. So the, the answer, backup. the answer
0: is yes, but it's kind of a pain in the ass. So, so what? Is it, what, a, what is it a terminal about, stuff? Mm, kind uh, of. Okay. In the Finder, there's an option under the General tab um, to to show items on the desktop, and which it is you, really funny. Now,
1: when did they turn that off? Turn that off because that used to be like having your hard drives on your desktop uh-huh. used to oh, be right. like I the way Macs worked.
0: Ten four, ten like okay. from from ten four to ten five. Because I like it, though. That's one yeah. of the things I like about that. Well, because you're old and you're used to it. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. But uh, So, yeah. So, let's say you have that box checked. It's an all or nothing affair. You have either all of them or none of them. So, the easy, cheaty way to do it um, is to uncheck that checkbox yeah. so that your hard drives do not appear. And make aliases of the ones you want. Exactly. That's the super quick and easy way. Now, the, the hardcore, cool, uh, tech nerd way of doing it is... It, it, and I haven't tried this in 10.7 yet, but in the old days from like ten four ten five, you had to, there was an additional uh, special command line tool that gets installed with the, when you install the, the developer toolkit, Yeah. which is, which used to be right on the, the OS installer CD. It's just another 700 megabytes of, Probably download of stuff. It now. Um, and there's an, I cannot remember it, but if you Google for it, it, you essentially there, there's a, a, a flag. Every volume has a flag that makes it visible or invisible on the desktop, and actually, we know that it's in, in use as uh, in in ten seven because that's where that's that there's that recovery partition that is you know that is present but not visible, and that that for example has been flagged invisible. Um, so the tool that you and, and it, it might you know maybe it is it is that tool is present in ten seven natively without the developers uh, toolkit because it's you know something is doing that trick or maybe maybe there's some other trickery happening to make that work but in the old days that that was how you had to do it you had to install this special tool run it and essentially flip the switch on the drive that you didn't want to appear and then it would just stay that way uh until you ran a (laughs) major software update or something like that and that would break and then you have to redo it again but uh but yeah that's the answer to your question because you know
1: what one of the reasons why i don't want to have multiple backup drives is just because i don't want 40 billion drives on my desktop sure but that might be a way around it
0: I think the Alias way is easier, man, honestly.
1: Yeah. Just the only thing annoying thing about the Alias way, I guess well, the external drives are different. I was going to say cuz then you when you plug in a new drive it doesn't just pop up a your desktop. But which, which you do like or you separated. don't like. I do like. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. that's yeah, then that gets tricky. Um But but I think that hard drives and external drives are two different things in that listing.
0: No. Uh, they're they're not. It, it treat if you plug yeah, in Yeah, no, there's
1: hard hard disks and external disks are oh, two different checkboxes. boxes. Oh, yeah. cool then that's so that's nice. so yeah that might be the way to do it sweet uh okay well there's a good answer there you go uh thank you Dan my pleasure
0: um uh, so uh yeah that's good blah 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 standard closing stuff twitter yeah, okay give us money <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening uh, itunes if, reviews blah blah if you,
1: yeah if you want to uh, help us out go to itunes and review our show that'd be great yeah you can also find us at Mm-hmm where you can both uh, play, uh, click a little PayPal link to send us a little tip, mm-hmm. which a few of you have done. Thank right. you
0: very, very much, all of you. Surprisingly, it's the, actually not surprisingly, those are the folks who are not from the United States because I guess there's some issues with the Amazon affiliate links. Yeah, network. it's interesting. From, uh, uh,
1: and then for uh, for those of you who do buy from Amazon, if you are going to buy something from Amazon, uh, go to TV first in the lower right-hand corner on the right. Uh, there is a link that you can click which takes you to Amazon and anything you buy once you click through that link will give us a few pennies on the dollar mm-hmm. for anything you buy which helps support the show and doesn't cost you a damn cent.
0: Indeed. And we'll also do our best to like when we when we review things uh, like I just put a link in the thing for the, uh, the GH1 yep. um, so when you click on that that'll, you know, it, you can look at the camera at Amazon and then if you continue shopping at Amazon um, that'll help too.
1: Yep. Uh, and uh, we always like questions, so uh, Mr. James Taylor, thank you for the question. Yeah. We're uh, happy to answer them. Yeah. If anybody has any others, uh, let us know. Bring it on. And you can find us at, at Bill Wadman and at Dan Gottesman on Twitter. Yep. Or uh, Conversations at gmail.com. Yep. And I think that's it. Nicely done. Anything else? That's it. Right. We will catch you next week. Have a good one.